Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. We're in our fifth week in our prayer series, and as we look at the topic of repentance and forgiveness, I heard a funny story about a burglar who was looking for an easy target and so he found the home of an elderly widow and decided to rob her. He goes in and he grabs a lot of valuables and he's just exiting the the window when she sees him and in the dark she yells, stop! Acts 2.38, repent for forgiveness of sins! And the burglar freezes, drops everything. The police come, they arrest him, and they say, we have just one question for you. How did you stop just by hearing an old woman quote a scripture? He goes, I want you to mess with a woman who had an axe and two (laughs) 38s. The the power of scripture. Uh, I was deeply, deeply encouraged by our prayer and fasting time. If you're able to attend one of our fasting prayer meetings, the God was just moving in such wonderful ways. Thank you so much for jumping in with us. We're going to put up our text that we've been going over each week from Matthew 6. I want you to join with me in reading this in a loud voice together. Let's read it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Today we're talking about the phrase, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Or I like how the NLT says it, probably the best capturing of this phrase in our modern language. And forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. In my early Christian life, I had this cycle that kept repeating itself. I would sin, and then I would have this shame that would come over me because of the sin, and then I wouldn't feel worthy to draw near to God. Have you ever experienced that before? 
you sin, you do something you know you shouldn't have done, and maybe you can come to church, maybe I could go to youth group, maybe I could attend church camp, but when I tried to actually pray, which this series is about, we're in a series called Teach Us to Pray, and believing that each one of these phrases is a, a doorway into a, a room of communion with God. When I would go to pray, because of the sin in my heart, I felt unworthy to approach God. And I got in a cycle like this. I call it the sin and shame loop. Let's just put up this diagram. I would do something that I knew broke God's heart, and that was sin. And after that sin, I would have this sense of remorse, but that remorse would inevitably turn into shame. And as I would just wallow in that shame, it led to something else, which led to me drawing away. I'm not worthy. I shouldn't be with you, God. I don't deserve your kind of love, and so I draw away. But now watch what that would lead to. That would lead to an empty and hard heart. Why? Because I wasn't coming and receiving the love that every child of God needs. And when you don't receive that love, your heart becomes hardened. The Bible says our hearts become hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Then when my heart was hardened, what happens is I'm more susceptible to sin. Or when I'm empty, I I need a fix. I need a pick-me-up. And so I'd walk back into sin to get something to excite me, to get something to, 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 to lift me up, but inevitably that would lead me to more shame. And so I ended up in this downward cycle. Can anyone attest to this, that they've experienced this? This sin and shame loop. And so that's why it was so encouraging when I really started understanding this verse. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. One of the most precious gifts we have as believers is the forgiveness of sins, is the opportunity to come and confess our sins and to be forgiven. But I I do want to tell you, there's all kinds of spiritual warfare. The enemy wars over time trying to keep you from walking into this practice. Why? Because the enemy has a plan for your life, and it's always to steal, kill, and destroy. So I call it the three Ds. This is what the enemy is wanting to do. What does destruction look like? Destruction often starts in our mind, and so we have these three Ds. The the first one is, I am dirty. I am dirty. Have you ever sinned and just felt like you're dirty? I I remember as a a young child, I remember... uh, walking into some sin and just thinking, I am forever dirty. Like I should, I I was a Christian as a a child, but I was like, I'm dirty. I'm forever going to be just tainted. I've, I've, I I, I can't get clean. So I'm forever dirty. And then the enemy comes with a second lie, which is really interesting, but we've all experienced it. I am different. Right? And you start looking around, and you're like, if they knew what I had done, they wouldn't accept me because I'm different. I'm the only person who's committed this sin. 
I remember walking into some sexual sin as a, as a, a young believer and being so ashamed and, and, and wanting to hide that. And, and I'd walk into a room like this and be like, I think people could see it on me. They know what I've done. And I'm different. And what is it? What, what do you want to do when you're different? It makes you want to isolate yourself. Because you're like, no one understands. You know, everyone's over here and I'm over here. And, and so we start drawing away from the church. The enemy always wants to isolate us from the church. And, and, and the third D is this, I'm disqualified. I'm dirty, I'm different, and therefore I'm disqualified. So I actually believed as a young believer, God can never really use me because I blew my chances. Can we just be honest? Has anyone ever had that thought before? Look, just look around, right? We've all had that thought. Because I've sinned, I'm, I'm forever dirty, and, and so I'm different than everyone, so I can't be like you or you. I can't, I can't be like, you know, uh, Billy the, the usher who's, who's helping people because I, I'm d- dirty and I'm different, so I'm disqualified. I, I can't be, you know, the, the person that encourages someone at life group. I can't take care of the children. I can't be a, a life group leader. I can't help lead and worship. Why? Because I'm disqualified because of what I've done. Can I just tell you that's a lie? That's a lie. And so I started understanding that God doesn't want us to be stuck in the sin and shame loop. Instead, he wants to, to, to get us in the forgiveness launch. That's what I like to call it. Look at this diagram. This is what God actually wants for us. We start with sin because we'll always sin. We'll, we'll walk in sin. We live in a sinful world. Now, your sin, by God's grace, will get less and less, but in this world, we'll have trouble. In this world, we'll have temptation. This side of heaven, I believe we're going to deal with sin. So we start with sin, but instead of shame, the Holy Spirit comes, and he brings conviction. Shame is from the devil. Conviction's from God. So we receive conviction, and as we receive that conviction, then that leads us to repentance. So we repent and confess. That The healthy response is to repent and confess. And then what happens next? You receive forgiveness. When you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us is what Scripture says. Can I just tell you, you don't have to earn your forgiveness. He, he, he gives us that forgiveness. And then what happens next? Once you've received forgiveness, we're overwhelmingly thankful. So we're thankful, and then that leads to greater intimacy with God. So instead of going in a downward cycle, you're launched upwards. You sin. You're convicted, you repent, you receive forgiveness, and all of a sudden, you are closer to God. You feel closer. You feel restored. You feel renewed. Let let me just explain it this way. Um, My son, some of you, you heard about this. We were so disappointed. He had broken his collarbone in the spring. It finally heals up. He misses all the sports in the spring. That's my youngest son. And then... This summer, it's the day before soccer season starts. He's missed all sports in the spring, so he finally gets to be in sports again. And we're on the beach in Coronado, and he and my older son are wrestling on a sand dune. And in a wrestling match, my older son pushes him down. He falls off the sand dune, hits the ground, and breaks his collarbone again. 
And we were so discouraged. I mean, he's crying. He's hurting so bad. And, and, and I am so upset. And I'm looking at my older son. I'm like, you, you, you don't understand what, what's going on. Like, you just knocked your brother out of six more months of sports. Like, he's not going to get to play on the playground. He's not going to have this kind of recess. And I'm, I'm driving home, and, and I'm praying, like, Lord, I want him to understand what he did. But, Lord, I, I don't want to wound my older son by shaming him, Right? So some of you have been in this situation as a parent. You're like, I, I, I want you to understand what you did, but I don't, want, I, don't want to un, you know, I don't want you to have to get over your father wounds the rest of your life because I tear into you for doing this. And so I'm praying the whole way home, like, Lord, how would you respond to this? And we get home and, you know, my little son walks in just in total pain and and my, the rest of my family goes in, and I say, hey, stay out with me to my older son. And we sit, back, sit down on the, on the truck tail, tailgate, and I said, son, do you understand what happened? And I'm like, Lord Jesus, help me. Help me just do this the way you would do it. I go, do you understand that your brother broke his collarbone, and the next thing I know, I go, bah! I start weeping. I'm like, wow, didn't know that was there. I start weeping. I put my, my head in my hands, and I'm like, I just don't want him to hurt. And my son, all of a sudden, he's like, bah! And we are just weeping on the tailgate of the truck. And he goes, I'm so sorry. I was like, I know, you're so sorry. I'm grabbing a hold of him. I'm like, it's okay, son. I'm sorry, too. And we prayed for, for John Mark. And I said, it's okay. You're forgiven. And we enter time, we hug, he goes in, he apologizes to John Mark, he, he loves on him. I was like, praise God. God, that's your heart. Later on that evening, I walk in to my boy's room, and my older son is in his bed, just crying. He's just crying. I said, son, what's wrong? He's like, I'm so sad. I'm so sorry. I said, son, you've already repented. You've already asked for forgiveness. You don't need to sit in shame. You're forgiven. You don't have to sit and cry. I know it's hard, but it's over. It's done. You don't have to sit there. Do you know that's God's heart for you? You know, when we sin, God's God's not just sitting going, I want to punish you. Instead, he's like the father that he is brokenhearted because he knows that our sin hurts other people and it hurts us. So he's weeping over the pain of sin. But we ask for forgiveness. He cries with us and then says, you're forgiven. It's over. And then we, we walk off and go, I can't believe I did that. I'm a loser. I'll never. And God says, uh-uh, you're done. Right? I don't want, I didn't want my oldest son to just keep walking around for the next days and go, I can't believe I did it. I'm a loser. I hate myself. I'm like, no, you're done. You asked for forgiveness and you're forgiven. Now go on and have a great life. Enjoy your brother. Enjoy your life. You've already confessed and now you're forgiven. That's God's heart for us. You confess your sins and you're forgiven. And here's the amazing thing. So I've started to enjoy confessing and repenting because I can walk away from it. I can unload that sin and not have to carry the shame. 
So that's why it's actually a joy to pray Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God. So in, in my times of prayer in the morning, I'll actually say this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Why? Because I don't want any sin to get in as a wedge between my relationship with me and the Father. So, you know, in our early Christian life, it's just the, the kind of sins of the flesh. Like, God, I'm so sorry for getting drunk. I'm so sorry for my sexual sin. I'm so sorry for, for looking at that thing. I'm so sorry for cursing out that person. I'm so sorry. But as we grow in maturity, we start understanding that any sin drives a wedge between me and God. And I want to get rid of it. I want to say I'm, I want to say I'm sorry. I want to turn from it so that I can be forgiven and be set free. So we start repenting of our heart attitudes. God, I, I have a tendency to, to be judgmental. I'm so sorry. Forgive me for that. I, I push it over here, uh, and I turn from it, and I ask that you forgive me. Lord, I'm so sorry for yesterday how I was prideful, and, and I bragged on myself. God, I repent. Forgive me for it, and I walk away from it. God, I'm so sorry that I was jealous of this person. And, and I'll let God, and sometimes I don't even know. I'll just say, God, would you search my heart? And he'll bring up something. I'm like, ooh, that was bad. But then I don't wallow in shame. Instead, I go, thank you, Jesus, that that's what you died for. You died for that sin so I can be forgiven. So do you do that in your time with the Lord? I want to encourage you, as you pray through the Lord's Prayer, I use each one of these phrases as an introduction to that type of prayer that you get to forgive us our sins. And every morning I say, Father, forgive me my sins. And I, I go through the past day. I go through the day before, hopefully I'm not going through that morning, I'm, it's all very early in the morning, kind of hard to send that early, but I still can do it, and so I'm just asking for forgiveness, I, I don't want to keep a long list, I just come moment by moment saying, Lord, help me, I, I, I repent of that, and I turn from that, and he forgives me, and, and then when I do, do deal with, with unforgiveness, I, I quote in my mind these different scriptures like Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far you've removed my sin from me, Lord. Or, or, or I, I think about 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. When I'm dealing with shame, I say, God, you made Jesus that punishment for sin so I can become the righteousness of God. Thank you that I'm righteous today. Now let me just focus in, let me turn the corner now and focus in on the second part of this scripture. It says, forgive us our sins, here's the harder part, as we forgive those who sin against us. I know you were hoping I wouldn't get to that part today. But let me just tell you, this is one of the distinctives we have as being Christians. Let's look at Matthew 18. Matthew 18 is this amazing parable that Jesus helps us to understand receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness. It starts by Peter coming to Jesus in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? I love it because Peter's actually getting it. He actually understands, Jesus, you teach us to forgive. So one of the things that I need to do is forgive. Now, how many times should I forgive? Can I just say that forgiveness is not the norm on planet Earth? We actually take great delight in revenge and vengeance. And, and if you don't believe me, just think about 
I think about, for me, some of the movies I've watched in my past, like Braveheart, where, where, the, where William Wallace's wife is killed, and then I'm like, yes, you went and killed everyone that just killed your wife. Oh! And I'm like, wait a second. It's not what Jesus teaches, right? Or I think, you know, put it on a lighter side, a Christian movie, because I'm not recommending to watch uh, Braveheart. That was kind of BC days for me. Um, the Blind Side, okay, uh, AD, uh, a- a- after, after Jesus, I-, I watched The Blind Side, and I was so stoked with Michael Orr, you know, the, the guy from the inner city, he's getting picked on by this mean, you know, yuppie lineman, just like, just calling him all kinds of names, and finally Michael gets fed up, and he picks him up and runs across the whole field and dumps him over a fence, and you're like, yeah, and you're like, wait a second, you just took vengeance on the guy. Right? We, we want justice. We, we want things to be made right. And God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And you're called to forgive. And so Jesus explains this parable. Verse 22, Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Or uh, in another translation, it says, 70 times 7. He's, he's basically saying, I want you to forgive an infinite amount of times. Therefore, verse 23, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Guys, that would be a lot of money. It's not 10,000 bucks. That's 10,000 bags of gold. That's probably like a billion dollars was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay the master, ordered that he and his wife and children and all be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him and said, be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. Watch this. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Uh, This story right here is the gospel. This is the gospel. There's a king. His name is God. There's a servant. His name is me and you, right? He owes a, a debt, a, a billion dollars. He cannot pay it. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You have sinned. I have sinned. There's not one person who hasn't sinned in this room. We owe a huge debt, and we deserve, like the servant, the punishment that he deserved was to be thrown into slavery. We are all thrown into slavery to the devil. Wait, to the devil. Sorry, wrong direction. To the devil. That is our eternal destination. Unless God steps in, we're destined for, to hell to pay for our sin. And so we beg for forgiveness. Oh, would you forgive me? I'll pay it back. And what does the master say? He doesn't say, yes, you try to pay it back. Instead, what does it say? He canceled the debt. He doesn't say, yeah, spend the rest of your life paying back this $1 billion, all these 10,000 bags of gold. Instead, he says, debt canceled right there. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the debt for your sin. A lot of Christians get it wrong. They think, I will now just try to do enough good things. I'll try to say enough prayers. I'll try to help enough old ladies across the street. I'll try to give enough to the poor. I'll try to be sweet to my pets. I'll try to whatever. And by doing that, then I can work my way into the presence of God. God says, no, you can never do that. 
But my son died on the cross to pay your debt. The wages of sin is death. And that's why Jesus died on the cross, to pay for your sins. He died an excruciatingly painful death, taking the suffering that you deserved into his body. He died for your sins, but he rose again, defeating the power of sin and death. And now you are set free if you receive that forgiveness. If you haven't received that forgiveness, I'm going to give you a chance to do so at the end of the service. And we always have people doing that. And you will be able to walk free of the shame and the weight of your sin. Hallelujah. But watch. Watch this. Because this is so me and you. Verse 28. But when that servant, this is the forgiving, forgiven servant, when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. This guy had owned a billion dollars. This guy has a hundred silver coins. Think about like a hundred dimes. You know, I, I can't even do that math. It's like probably like, how much is that? Ten bucks, something like that. He owes him ten bucks. And he goes out and it says, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe. This is called losing your temper. <laughs> this is what we call an emotional response. You've just been forgiven 10,000 bags of gold. You've been forgiven a billion bucks. And you go, you owe me 10 bucks. Pay it back. Yeah! Right? And we think like, who would do that? You. <laughs> and, me, and me. Right? I mean, someone could just cut me off on the freeway and I'm like, how dare you? curse you and your line forever. And I drive by, there's my little fish on the back of my car, you know, eat my fish tail, you know. Uh, actually, that's why I don't have a fish. I'm, I'm, I'm not to that level of maturity where I can have one yet. <laughs> that's funny. Think about that not of this world sticker, you know. Then we cut people off. They're like, yeah, you're not in this world. You're the underworld. Anyway, um, his, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused and instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. That's called unforgiveness. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that happened. Verse 32, then the master called the servant, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Here's our motivation for forgiving. It's not because people deserve it. Did you just hear me? Because there's a lot of pain in this room. There's been a lot of pain in my heart. I've had to forgive many people for things they've said to me, things they've done to me. I've had people make up lies about me. I've had people try to destroy our, our, our ministry just by being evil and mean. I've had people betray me. The, the reason I forgive is not because they deserve it. The reason I can forgive is because the king has forgiven me a much greater debt. Are you following me? 34, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is, this is a hard text. Now, here's what I don't believe it's saying. I don't believe it's saying if you don't forgive someone, 
then you're going to go to hell. Because if our forgiveness for our sins is based on us forgiving others, then we're earning our salvation. You following me? And we know that we're saved by grace through faith, lest a man could boast. So you are saved because of the sheer grace of God. But what this is saying is you are handed over to be tortured when you don't forgive. And so many people say those jailers that you get handed over to, that's like the demonic that you keep bitterness in you and it lets the, the, the demons just come and start attacking you or it just lets bitterness start festering in you and your own bitterness is what puts you into slavery. Are you following me? I've heard it said before that bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping someone else dies. You're like, I'm so mad, I'm just going to drink poison right now right? That's what bitterness does to you. And you think, man, I, you know, I, I, I want to forgive. I, I, I'd love to, to be done, done with that, but, but you know, I, I just can't do it. Listen, listen to this. Do you know that holding bitterness in your heart actually will not just, will not just hurt you inside, but it actually hurts you outside? A, a study by John Hopkins says this, Unresolved conflict can go deeper than you may realize. It may be affecting your physical health. The good news is studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels and sleep, and reducing pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. I wonder if some of the physical problems we're experiencing and this is documented medically, some of the anxiety you walk in, some of the depression you walk in, I've seen a lot of people with a lot of back pain, it's because we haven't let go of our bitterness. Listen to what this medical doctor, Karen Schwartz, says, that there's an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. Chronic anger puts you into fight or flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels and leads to improved health. Some people are going to get better health going out of here today just because you're going to leave some pain right here at the altar. I, 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 uh, I want you to know that, that forgiveness, you don't always feel like it. To forgive. You say, you know, I, I can't forgive this person because I, I feel this in my heart. I love what Corey Tinboom, the, the, the famous Holocaust survivor who actually was standing and sharing in a, in a church service when she sees the very Nazi guard that abused her sister, which eventually led to her death, and she sees him in the meeting, and she said this coldness came over her heart, and he walks up to her and extends his hand, and I says, I've heard you talk about the forgiveness of God, but can you, can you offer me forgiveness, sister? And she said she just froze, and she felt this ice all over her. But listen to this quote she says. She says, and so woodenly and mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one outstretched to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. She said this forgiveness is an act of will and we, uh, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Did you hear that? Forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. And so it says this, 
An incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm and sprang into my hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes and said, I forgive you, my brother. With all my heart, I forgive you. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands and the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. I wanted one of my friends to come up and share, one of our own church members to share his story because you might be saying, you know, you don't know what I've gone through and I don't think I could ever forgive. Can I tell you that God's power is always greater than the hurt that's been done to us? Hakeem, will you come up and just share your story? Give Hakeem a, a hand as he comes today. We were, we were just getting a meet together and just hanging out this week and, and, and then we started talking about a story and I was like, that is just exactly what our congregation needs to hear. Take us into your story of what happened to you. Well, at the, age of, uh, at the age of 17, I gave my life to Christ. This was back in Nigeria. And um, my dad was a Muslim. And he, he persecuted us a lot. My mother, you know, all of us. Uh, there was a lot of persecution. So one evening, I was sitting down in the living room, uh, my shorts on, just watching TV, he came into the room, grabbed me by my shorts, and said, I have to leave the house today. He was throwing me out. And, um, you know, there was an uproar in the whole, the whole house, everybody crying. And, and I resisted him because at 17, I was wondering, where do I go? Where do I go? And so he repeatedly, you know, hit me. He was hitting me, and uh, I almost lost hearing in my ear. So the frustration of all those years, the anger the bitterness, just, I just snapped. And I wanted to kill him. So I struck him. And my mom jumped in between us and said, don't do that. You're a child of God. Wow. And she asked me to leave. So I left home 17, went to a neighbor's house. Um, there were Christians in our, from my mom's church. They took me in. And for two years, I was homeless. Mm. My whole family were homeless. Two years, no place to just, was the toughest years of our lives. Wow. And after that, God opened the door. I went to Europe, went to Austria, um, started to get a different, a better life for myself. But in 2003, while I was praying, the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to call your dad, and I want you to apologize to him. I want you also to forgive him. And I said, Lord, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's, why should I be the one apologizing? Mm. He's the one who, did, who hurt us. He's the one who did all this stuff. Why should I apologize? And the Lord said, I want you to apologize because you raised your hand against your father. And secondly, I want you to forgive him because there are things I cannot do in your life except you forgive him. That's good. So I wrestled with it for three days. And then I finally picked the phone up, called him. I haven't spoken to him in 10 years. So I called him. I said, Dad, it's me. I just want to say that I am sorry for what happened that night, for striking you. And I ask you to forgive me. I also want to say that I forgive you for everything that you've done. 
and the phone was silent. I thought he had dropped the phone. I, I didn't know what was going on. And I've never heard my dad in all my life say, I am sorry. My dad's never said I'm sorry to anybody. And he breathed a sigh, and he said to me, he said, this is what I've been waiting for all these years. And my dad said, I am sorry. And as he said that, something just broke from me. I felt like a weight was literally lifted up. And I cried, and we made our peace. And God used that to reconcile us and touch my heart. You know, what I love, Hakeem, is you said God spoke to you. Unless you forgive, I can't do everything that I want to do in your life. And now you look at your life from homeless those years to now here, incredible marriage to Ute. Raise your hand down there. Two beautiful daughters. Uh, you're a rocket scientist. Now, I can't even understand what you're doing. Um, and, and God has just poured out his blessing. He's raising you up as a leader in this community. Uh, th- this is what God wants to do through forgiveness. He's a li- living testimony of that. What, just give us a one-liner. What would you say to people that are like, I, I can't forgive? How do you do it? The motivation, my motivation was I wanted to have fellowship with God. Oh. I wanted God to take me to the deepest place that he can take me to. And those three days, my struggle those three days was if I don't do it, I would never experience the fullness of God in my life. <laughs> and I, I, that was my hunger. That was my motivation. And I want to say, you know, it's, it wasn't easy to do. It was not easy. It wasn't easy. But um, do it. Do it. Just do it. Just do it. Amen. Um, let, let me just finish by... Uh, showing an illustration. Guys, can you bring that out, uh, this illustration? So how do you forgive? You know, it's, you, you're, you can't change yourself. You can't make yourself feel forgiveness. So I, I just want to illustrate it this way. We, we start this prayer with our Father. You got to remember that it starts with our Father. And we said that we begin our prayer by coming and receiving God's Father's heart for us, His Father's love. And that's the only way you can forgive. Let me just illustrate it this way. Let's just say this is your life in God right here. And what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to be able to go to a hurting and broken world and pour out that wonderful, clean, pure life of God on people. Bitterness is like this little die, just one little tiny dot, one little thing of harboring bitterness. Watch this. You saw how small that was. The Bible says a bitter root grows up and defiles many. Look, just that tiny little dot, look what happened. And so then when people brush up against you, what do they get? What do they receive from you? Even as a Christian, look, they're getting this mixed, dirty stream of water. That's what people get when we hold on to bitterness. So how do we get free? We don't get free by just willing it. We don't get free by saying, oh, if I can just stir myself around, I can get free. No, you, you get free by getting under the spigot of God's love and letting it pour onto you. And watch this, you just let it pour, and you're seeing it gets more and more diluted, and you just keep saying, more, God, I need more, I need more. And look, look at what 
color, the water has turned. And now look at what's flowing out of you. You stay under the spigot. And now look, look what's coming out. Everyone that gets you, you're getting over, filled overflowing. And what's being poured out is more and more and more and more of the love of God. That's how we get free. That's how we walk in forgiveness. One of the ultimate stories of forgiveness I've ever heard is the, the man who was my pastor when I was in my early years of, of college. And he was a, a pastor in Oklahoma at the time. His wife and his daughter and son were on a car ride when they were hit by a drunk driver. And he was in another city and he gets this word and so he immediately rushes to meet them and he finds the horrific news that his daughter has been killed. And he gets to the hospital, his wife and his son are fighting for their life. And he's, he's absolutely devastated and broken. And as he's there at the hospital, the, the man who killed him finally sobers up and, and comes to the waiting room and he hears the drunk driver who killed your daughter is out in the waiting room. How, how would you respond to that? Like, what, what would you do? What would you feel in that moment? And, and Barry, the, the pastor, Barry goes out to the waiting room, and, and this man is totally fine, as drunk drivers so often are because they're so limber and loose from, from being totally intoxicated. He's totally fine. And he goes, I, I am so sorry. Is, is there anything I can do for your family? And, and Barry looks at him and says, you know, the only thing you can do for us is pray for us. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, your prayers are ineffective. And the man just sunk. And Barry said, but I want to tell you about the forgiveness found in Jesus. Right there in the waiting room, he shares with him the forgiveness he had received. You see, Barry had grown up in a broken and hurting family, and he had received the forgiveness and new life of Jesus. And right there in the waiting room, Barry and that man get down on their knees, and that man gives his life to Jesus. Now, that's the kind of power that forgiveness can have in transforming our lives and the lives of those around us. Why don't we stand up? Would you just close your eyes with me? Today's a day that many people can get free. Just keep your eyes closed, would you? God wants to set you free. And the first group he wants to set free is those that you've never felt that forgiveness. You're, you say, yeah, I've been carrying around shame and pain and, 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 and the weight of sin all my life, and I just want to be free. I want to tell you, Jesus died for your sins so that you could be free today. If you don't know that your sins are forgiven, if you're like, hey, I, I'm not sure about that, but I sure want to be. I just I want every eye closed. This is a, a private moment. But if that's you, you say, yeah, I don't know if my sins are forgiven, but I want them to be. We just look up at me real quick and just wave at me. Just wave at me. Okay. Who else? Just wave at me. Okay. Who else? All right. All right. Who else? Okay. If you don't know that your sins are forgiven, okay, I see you. Anyone else? 
Thank you for being so honest. I, I, I want to pray with you ones that, that just raise your hand. And we're going to confess our sins to God and we're going to receive his forgiveness. You don't have to earn them. And, and the Bible says that it's Jesus' death on the cross that forgives us. It's not our own good works. So just pray with me right now. Jesus, I confess my sins. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I'll walk with you forever. And now with every, every eye closed, every head bowed, if you just pray that and you said, yeah, Pastor, today I'm praying that. And I am, once and for all, just asking Jesus to come into my life. Just look up at me and wave. Just all over this room. Just wave at me if that was you. You just prayed that. Awesome. Just wave at me real quick. You just prayed that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Who else? Just wave at me real quick. You said, yeah, I'm praying that. Awesome. I see you guys in the middle. Anyone else? Just wave at me. Awesome. Lord, we just thank you today that my friends are being forgiven, that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far you've removed their sins from them. Now listen, for the rest of us, there's many in this room that you've been harboring bitterness and you know who you are and I, I want you to have a chance to respond and I'm going to lead you in a prayer of forgiveness of someone else and just if everyone would keep their eyes closed but if you just say today yeah I, I, I know that I've been harboring forgiveness I want to I want to pray a prayer forgiving someone that's hurt me will you just look up at me and wave right now yeah just all over this room just dozens and dozens and dozens of hands right okay just pray this prayer after me just say Lord, right now, I forgive blank. Put their name in it. I put them in your hands. I'm not going to retaliate. I let them go today. I trust you with my heart, Lord. Heal my heart of unforgiveness. Take away the bitterness so I can walk free into your presence. And Lord, all my friends that are praying this today, I'm asking for your great grace to come on them. Like a warm blanket, let your presence fall on them and let that root of bitterness be broken now in the name and authority of Jesus Christ. I'm just going to ask my prayer team to come up right now. Prayer team, come on up right now. If you just pray that prayer, I want you to know that God is breaking the power of unforgiveness and bitterness out of your heart. Just prayer team, life group leaders, I need training school students, Students. I need you to come up. If you are one of those that prayed to give your life to Jesus, I want to invite you to come forward right now. All those different ones that were raising their hand and said, yeah, I'm praying. I want to hand you one of these books right now. Me too. Would you grab this? We're just going to hand you these books right now. Can I give you guys some books up here? We want to hand you one of these books. It's just about walking with Jesus as your friend. And that's what he wants to be. He wants to be your best friend. They're going to just grab these books from right here and give them to you. And if you're just saying, hey, I need prayer today because there's pain and unforgiveness in my heart. 
you just come forward now and maybe you have a physical pain, just come right now and maybe you need a friend to bring you down. You're a little afraid to come. Just grab someone and say, hey, I just gave my life to Jesus or hey, I need prayer. Would you come down with me? This is a very safe church and, and, and we are a place of acceptance. So you just come right now. Step out of your seats right now. You say, today I'm giving my life to Jesus or today I just need some prayer or today I need physical healing. Grab a friend and bring them with you and we want to pray for you. Grab a family member but just step out of your seats. Even if you're in the middle, just step out of your seats. Let's give a hand to all these people that are coming right now. And just come up, come to one of our, our prayer ministry partners. They're going to just put their hand on your shoulder. They're going to pray for you. If you're just giving your life to Jesus today, just say, hey, I, I need one of those books. I need one of those books that the pastor has given. Pablo, can you take this? Just say, hey, I need one of those books. We're going to put one of these books in your hand. It's going to help you walk with God. Just ask for one of those books if you're giving your life to Jesus today. Let's just spend one last minute here to finish our time singing a song of worship to close our time. And I'll, I'll look forward to meeting different ones that are here for the first time out in the guest cafe.